Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for Magic Online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco and I'm Big Head Joe. And we've got two weeks of magic stuff to talk about. So uh, you know, like always, um, we got a lot, a lot to talk about in terms of banned cards. Um, and then yeah. we have, we because of that, we have kind of some new formats that uh, that we can kind of touch on. Um, and then like a, a fun little. Well, I guess it's fun. Fun little announcement that popped up out of nowhere at like 3.45 in the morning <laughs> Eastern time last night. Yeah. Um, also, we have our first ever special guest on the show later at the end of the episode. So uh, so we'll get the, to that. Um, but before before we do, just want to give a shout out to all our patrons. As always, we have a Patreon page. Uh, check it out. We have a link in the show notes if you want to support the show. Shout out to everybody. We're having a blast in there talking about all kinds of magic stuff and non-magic stuff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know what? Let's just talk. Start, start this off with this little nugget of info we got last night because I don't really think there's much to say about it. But right. Wizards tweeted about something called Secret Lair. At 3.45 yeah. in the morning last night on Twitter. It was just kind of a strange time to announce something. Um, like somebody from Wizards was up and, you know, I know they're, they're three hours different from here. I'm I'm in Eastern time zone. You know, I'm in, you know, it was 3.45 for me, 2.45 in the morning for you, right? Right, uh, right. There it was 12.45 a.m. So that's still not a reasonable time for a company to be making announcements. Right, right, you right. Know, is just kind of strange um but okay uh they really didn't tell us what it was it just said something like um it, it's do you have you happen to have the tweet right in front of you because i, I do it, actually but I, I do i just again i want to remind everyone that recreational marijuana was legalized in the state of washington uh july 8th 2014 um <laughs> so I, i'm gonna keep bringing that up because i think it's relevant to a lot of the things that have been going on. Um, so they said it's not a booster, but it is a lair, an MTG secret lair even. In this case, a lair is a pre-made box just for you and the very particular things you love about magic. So uh, I actually think that it's pretty straightforward what this is. And this is going to be like a subscription service sort of thing. Yeah, um, where yeah that they, makes a lot of sense. Like a, you know, um, loot crate. You know, like those kind of things, um, because yeah. those things are super popular, or at least I know they have been. I don't know if they still are. Um, I know. I mean, I, one of my coworkers uh, still gets them. Um, I've gotten them on and off over the years. Uh, I think this is going to be like sleeves and like play mats and like 
um, promo cards, and they'll probably have exclusive promo cards for this that'll uh, drive sales. Um, and there'll be probably, I'm sure there'll be exclusives every month that you can only get in the secret lair. Um, as far as like uh, MTG finance sort of thing, I wouldn't go crazy, you know, because uh, exclusives aren't very exclusive if uh, if a lot of people sign up. You know what I mean? So like, that's true. Yeah. Like one of the things you'll like loot crate. You're like, oh, exclusive thing. Oh, I could flip that. Nope, you can't because everybody got them and like they're not worth anything. <laughs> no, I'm serious because like there have been a couple things where I'm like, well, I don't really care about that, but there are three other things I like, so I'll buy it. Maybe I can sell that thing. Nah, I think ain't worth anything. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that like unless they're like literally printing like, you know, promo. Oko's or whatever, because um, you know Oko is a really important card right now. Um, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, you know, so like you know, unless they're printing like promo money, um, it's really not going to be worth much more than just like a regular like foil or something. Right. Um, anyway. Yeah, and, and, it's and, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept, <laughs> and and I know like I've never signed up for one of those kinds of things. It's just not really not for me. I don't think I don't I don't feel like there are products that I buy consistently enough to be like, yeah, I really just want, you know, 10 packs of the latest set. Like that's not that's not really what I do. I buy singles. That's and right. I, I that's it. You know, like I don't even really want anything consistently enough to sign up to a subscription service. Uh, like I can't even get yeah. my Amazon subscribe and save past like 5% because the only <laughs> thing I subscribe to is coffee. Like it's one thing of coffee that comes every three months or two months or something. And, and that's it. Like I can't, I don't buy anything consistently enough to, to subscribe to it. So, um, I don't and I'm think 37 years old and I've gotten over surprise me. Like I don't want any more surprises. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over surprises. Like my girlfriend loves surprises. She loves surprises. Um, she loves to be surprised and Hey, good for her, you know? Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I like surprises to a degree, but for the most part, I kind of like to know what's coming. You know what I mean? Right. So anyway, um, interesting because, because, you know, this is like the second mystery product that they've announced in the last two months. Yeah. Um, and you know, they had mystery boosters and it was like, Ooh, we have this thing. It's called a mystery booster and you'll find out what it is. And you know, it was, it, it was revealed a week and a half ago, right before, right at the beginning of uh, mythic championship six in Richmond. And, um, you know, a lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. Um, uh, again, here's another thing where I'm like, it's not really for me. It's not my kind of thing. I don't really like limited and that's kind of what this product was. So I don't, I don't want to, um, uh, it's just, just not something directed towards me, but here, here you have another product where it's like, Hey, it's another mystery thing. You're like, okay, how, how often are we getting these mystery products now? Like, <laughs> is this a thing every two months they announce another mystery product? Um, I guess it gets, gets some hype. But uh, and maybe this is less of a, a mystery product because they are going to tell us what it is next Monday. Um, so we only have like a few days to wait um, to find out what exactly it is. But yeah, the most of the speculation I've seen is something like you said, like a loot crate thing. Uh, maybe you you choose between, like, I guess, some certain kinds of categories, other like what kind of decks I you like to play I or what vintage. Yeah. Yeah, send me all your vintage stuff. That's that's all, the only thing I want to play. I will subscribe, and yeah. I don't think it's gonna work. <laughs> just send exactly. you old repacks of terrible, <laughs> terrible right. vintage cards. As long like I'd be interested as long as you can say, please don't ever send me a play mat. 
Yeah, that's that's not likely. I think they will send playmats. Yeah. How many playmats do you have? You have like a ton. I don't even know. know I have them, them in a closet rolled up in one giant roll. And like, uh, again, good luck ever trying to sell them. Um, you just can't. Nobody yeah. cares because all playmats are just like 10 bucks somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. ugh, just it's, nah, you need one. You only play. You only have one deck. You play at a time. You only need one. Play <laughs> you have mat. a second one in case your your friend comes over and doesn't have a playmat with them. You can you can have that. But and yeah, is borrowing your deck because if they're using their own deck, I don't care. You can put your you can play in a puddle for all I care. <laughs> but if but if you're using my deck, yeah, okay. Here's a playmat. Don't mess up my cards. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it is interesting playmats because I, I was talking to um, John Farrow on our on our Discord. Actually, I think I was talking to him through Twitter, but either, either way, he's on our Discord. And uh, we were talking about how it's like we love the artwork so much that like you want to get a playmat of it, but then you realize I have so many playmats. Uh-huh. Like, why would I do that? I was talking to Kenny about this too because I've had the Urza artwork playmat in my Amazon cart, the Emery artwork in my cart the uh the eldraine like i don't know what they call it um it was like the promotional art it's not on any card it's the seb mckinnon thing where it's got like the planeswalker symbol in the middle that's kind of castles and it's yeah, got a yeah. night mm-hmm. li- like that art is so beautiful and i'm like it i is. want that i want that art i'm gonna get a playmat and i'm like but i have so many playmats and the the ones that i like the best are like the uh john avon islands they 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 feel like you know they're nice and clean looking you don't they're not busy they're islands you know they're basic land art um i I feel like that's kind of my favorite kind of thing to have on a playmat because it's kind of like hey here's the setting that my cards are in and it just feels good like i love that and i have i have like a bunch of like i said i have all these playmats in my closet and i still just use the frayed and stained and just gross stop bitch and start brewing playmat from years ago it's the only playmat i use and like when i go to common ground games which is pretty much the only place i play literally every table is covered in a tablecloth sized playmat so like i'm putting a playmat on top of a playmat already right like my playmat is redundant the second i walk in the door because everything's a playmat like yeah yeah so um yeah Anyway, so yeah, yeah please don't play send us playmats, but uh, right. but it sounds like a cool thing, you know, for people who like that sort of thing. Um, I'm curious. I mean, I'm curious to see what it is. Maybe we can get them to send us one. <laughs> I can't even finish that sentence without laughing. They don't do anything for us. Um, so, uh, so we had a pretty important announcement. We did going and, on and here. I think, I think we should take it in chunks because technically we've had two week's worth of announcements okay. uh, because Pioneer, of course, yes. has their announcements on like every Monday now. Um, let's start with Pioneer because I said it. Whatever. Do Last it. Monday, we had Veil of Summer banned in, uh, in Pioneer. Um, I think that was kind of surprising uh, to a lot of people. Not surprising in the sense that it was like, oh, that card didn't need to be banned, but just, oh, Okay, like you agree with this that this card is terrible also, like the terribly balanced <laughs> kind of card. Uh you know, you kind of felt like Wizards by banning Veil of Summer sort of acknowledged a lot of the chatter. Yeah, um they in the acknowledge that, that one mana cryptic command is stronger than four mana cryptic command. That's not yeah. very surprising. Yeah. Well, I've had someone arguing with me about it on Twitter that someone you know, who wants four copies of it in their deck. It's always someone who wants four copies of it in their deck. Anyone it's, who it's argues with you about a card blocked, being banned. So <laughs> it's someone I know you've blocked. So you wouldn't have seen this conversation. Wouldn't care. 
Don't care. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine how anybody looks at this card and thinks that it's okay, that it's balanced. Um, you can tweak some numbers on the card, maybe make it cost two mana or take away the cantrip aspect, and then it's a reasonable card. It's a one mana counter spell, but it's narrow, just right. like something like Spell Pierce but that's or all, Spell Snare. Right? You know, but again, this is all speculation because we play a game that has physical product. You know what I mean? Like, like you could tweak. We, we, there's a hundred cards we could tweak to make better. You know what I mean? Oh, sure, like, sure, sure. To, ba- but, to rebalance, yeah. But they're just not going to ever do that. Like it's right. I don't, I, like again, I don't think until they get rid of paper magic, they're um, they're never going to tweak a card. Like right, tweak well, yeah, the text. And I, I wasn't suggesting that they do it, but I'm just no, trying for to sure. Make, yeah, the point that this card is. Egregious, as I, I tweeted a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> did it's great, and a lot of that, I think that's been like my most popular tweet ever. I've been on Twitter for like twelve years or something, and I've tw- tweeted "Veil of Summer is egregious," and I think it got more likes and retweets than anything I've ever tweeted. Nice. <laughs> so uh, uh, that's kind of amusing. So that's that's banned in Pioneer last Monday. A little bit of a shock, but that's it was just enough to kind of again we have these green decks in Pioneer that are just so good even after being hit with Oath of Nyssa being banned and Leyline of Abundance being banned, it's like they still were too strong. So Vale right. of Summer gets banned. Um, and uh, this past Monday, a few days ago, there were no bans. So this is this is the first time, I think, on our schedule, our you know, weekly bannings uh, for Pioneer that we've actually had no bans. Right. Is that right? That's, That's true. Right That's true. Yep. Um, and they did say that next week they don't anticipate making any changes but they reserve the right to so no crap then why say anything that's like the dumbest <laughs> announcement we're not gonna probably but we might yeah no crap that's why you have a <laughs> weekly announcement so right. you can maybe probably so just shut up you know like <laughs> it's, so it is weird it was basically like hey we have an announcement about next week we might ban something and we might not <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> I hear there's a 50% chance of rain today. It seems like we're, they're leaning on the side of no bans for next week, but I, a lot of the, uh, surprising or a lot of the, the reaction that I've seen to this, like no, no ban announcement is like, how is Nick, Nykthos still legal? Um, because I guess these mono green decks still are really, really powerful. And, um, I think the answer is, because we have a Theros set coming up, and I think they don't want to ban Nykthos, especially if Nykthos is getting a, a reprint. Um, True that. I, I don't know that that would be the only reason, um, but it just feels like they're avoiding it. And I think they maybe they want people to be able to play the Devotion decks, especially with a Devotion mechanic set uh, coming up, to kind of fuel that particular kind of archetype in pioneer as well as standard. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens, but, uh, those but decks aren't like dominating though. I mean, there's a bunch of decks now, you know, like I don't want to get into it yet, but, um, looking at these pioneer deck lists, mm-hmm. it looks like a pretty, uh, you know, like a nice little range format. I mean, there's still a yeah. lot of green decks. I have not counted the cop amount of once upon a times in here, but it's probably a right. lot. All of um, them. yeah, <laughs> Well, you know what? Let's do that. Since we since we're on the topic of pioneer, let's just let's do that. Then we can jump to the other 
band announcements. Sound good? Because we're, sure, we're yeah, talking yeah. about Pioneer. You know, let's do it. Um, so we had the the SCG Invitational this past weekend, and the, it was a split format event. You had Modern for half of it, Pioneer the other half. Pioneer was the top eight, and um, it was taken down by uh, Chris Barone playing Mono Black Agro. Um, I kind of. Uh, just kind of copy pasted a few of these lists here because I thought they were interesting, and um, I think the thing that jumps about that jumps out about Pioneer to me right now is it's either you're either playing ramp or you're playing aggro, like that's it. There's like a soul time mid range in there, which is arguably just slow aggro, but like <laughs> you, you look at mono black aggro, then you have like mono green devotion, which of course is like a ramp deck. And then you've got Gruel Aggro, Hardened Scales, which is aggro. Golgari Delirium, maybe that's slightly off of, out of that category, but it's not that far off. Is it in Soul is an aggro deck? Bant Ramp, Mono Black Aggro. It's like, it's, it's like you go down to the top 16, and it's just such an aggressive format right now, um, which is fine. I, I'm hoping that the metagame kind of continues to evolve and we get different kinds of archetypes in here. But I think that surprises me because when Modern first came out, it was all combo decks. Like, combo ruled that format. Um, and I thought the same thing was going to happen with Pioneer, where people were going to find the most broken combos. And they sort of did with, like, the, the Felidar Guardian thing. But um, that's not the only combo in Pioneer, right? Like, <laughs> there are right, more... Right, surely com- it can't be. <laughs> like, there, I would think there would be more, but I guess the... Uh, the consistency of being an aggro deck that can just say, hey, I'm playing one color um, or two colors and then just slam into you with a bunch of really big creatures, like, that's that's all I need to do. You have, like, uh, the the Is It and Soul deck. I know Ryan's been playing it and loving it, and that deck, I, I think it's funny because Burn is, you think about Burn in Modern or even Legacy, it's, like, mostly mostly in Modern, though. It's, like, we're just... We just need to do seven packets of three damage. And this deck is like, I just need to do four packets of five. And you're like, well, right. that does seem better. <laughs> you only need to do four packets of five. It's like all about just doing packets of, of five damage. And, uh, you know, Shrapnel Blast and um, the the namesake and Soul Artifact. Is, that's what it's called. Yep. Right? I, yep. I, I wanted to call it Is It and Soul. Like the deck is named after a card that's called Is It and Soul. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like uh, a deck that does damage in in pockets of five and i think that uh in in a lot of ways not all the time but that's kind of cool um yeah and hardened scales looks insane it's 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 a really good modern deck occasionally as the the metagame allows uh but it's a really really good pioneer deck right now and you see like all these hanger back walker and stone coil serpent and walking ballista and experiment one just all these cards that that hinge on having those counters and hardened scales and once upon a time and you know you got a deck ginger brute yeah that that card is not in hardened scales or at least i don't care it's in is it in soul i think it's hilarious It is, and Ryan was saying how good it is, like how unfair it feels. Like it's crazy, but uh, an actual gingerbread cookie is is good in Magic, <laughs> which is nuts. Um, but I, I like it. Uh, I do feel like the format isn't where they want it to be, but it is like feeling fun right now. Still, um, yeah. I'm still trying to make my, uh, blue white work. Uh, not that successfully, but uh, it'll get there. 
It'll get there. As the med- I mean, if, if it's all going to be creatures like this, then I'm just going to pack all the creature destru- you know, the, the creature removal for supreme verdict and settle the wreckage and all that. You know, that's the basically the best you can do. And then just all the early removal and just try to live until the late game. And that's kind of the strategy of blue white anyway. Um, but if we keep just seeing all aggressive decks and no veil of summer, certainly opens things up um, for for more control decks to show up. So I, I anticipate seeing seeing that show up you know, more and more a lot of people you know like you always we always say when like there's a new standard set that aggro decks are always good week one right you know i'm sure that uh, applies to a new format as well you know and right. especially like and every time there's a ban there's a new format so you figure every time that there's something that gets banned people are going to just try to beat you over the head before you can do whatever convoluted plan you think you can do now that x card is banned you exactly. know what i mean like so um, now we see what those control decks are trying to control. You know, this, I mean, this is a pretty, you know, typical pattern, you know. Um, we know what decks there are to answer. So now you need to figure out what cards you have that answer those decks. Yeah. You know, uh, and I think that, I think that, I think that the format has room for, uh, for a control deck because, you know, there are aggro decks in other formats and there are control decks in those formats as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just got to find the right build and the right collection of answers. I think the biggest thing that this format is missing and uh, everybody's saying it, I think we've kind of been saying it since week one also, is like the lack of something like Path to Exile. We don't yep. even have Condemn or Oust. There's like no one mana white removal, the best removal that we have besides Azorius Charm, which is like not great, uh, is like Blessed Alliance and... uh uh, last breath, like two mana removal that's conditional. And what's that one mana white spell that says uh, exile? Or I think it's exile target creature with converted mana cost one. <laughs> it's it's permanent, so technically you could hit uh, like you know um, non creature with it, but it's okay. isolate isolate. Well, and I mean, like that doesn't seem too bad here. It's awful. <laughs> uh, Bomac courier, ginger brute. I mean, like there's the. It's a sideboard card for sure. I played it. I tried playing it with two in the main and two in the sideboard, and it doesn't just didn't. Hit copter. It, what's that? Doesn't hit copter. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just still. Uh, it's so narrow, and I guess there's the obvious place to play it is a format with a lot of one drops that you can hit. But it, again, it's a sideboard card kind of thing, unless the format really comes down to a ton of one drops. Um, if it's at one or less, it'd be better. You know, like if it, it actually was, would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Well, I mean, if you could hit permanence, then that would be a land destruction spell. But you know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I guess it would have to say non-land permanent. Right, um, right. For it to be at all fair. Because then you could hit uh, Serpent. You could hit Hanger Back, you know. Um, yeah. You could hit Tokens. But, but you brought up Smuggler's Copter, and, and it's interesting because the format now is starting to see that card show up a lot more. You have it in the Mono Black Aggro list. You have it in the Is It and Soul lists. Um, Chapin wrote an article about uh, Smuggler's Copter this week on star city saying like this is the exact kind of card you want to be good in this format like he doesn't think it deserves to be banned at all i know a lot of people are a little worried about it because it was banned in standard so understandably they're worried that it might be banned in in pioneer um but i i think chapin's a pretty smart pretty smart guy and he's uh been around the game for a long time and i i like you know i like his i like hearing his perspective on things and him saying that this is the kind of card that uh that it is, it's power level. It, it's a powerful card, but it's not 
the kind of card that you need to ban. Um, and our format, like with Pioneer, this format has so many more answers to it now uh, that than were available to us in standard. That's kind of really what this all hinges on. So um, anyway, yeah, Pioneer looking pretty cool. Uh, I guess the the next card that I think people are expecting to see go is more like Nykthos or Once Upon a Time. Um, people are really raving about Once Upon a Time. <laughs> well, I think Once Upon a Time is like a ridiculous card, and I, I wasn't certain they were going to uh, ban it in standard, and here we go, transition. Yep. Um, but... Uh, but they did, and and I'm really happy about it because, like, just every time I played against you and it was just, like, free card, of course, now I have my land and I have my goose. It was just like, wow, this is not fun. Like, this is way too consistent for a green deck. You know what I mean? Like, this, this card should not be this – should, this should have never been printed. Um, I think it's only yeah. a matter of time before it's banned in every format, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, and um, I wouldn't be surprised either. It's which is kind of crazy because you feel like people were saying that as soon as the card was spoiled, like, "Wow, this card is way too good." How is how did this ever see print? Yeah, I never, um, I never bought any because even though I have like a nice like cache of like green cards mm-hmm. to play, um, I was like, "Nope, this card's too strong." And I actually haven't been playing green or haven't even been thinking about playing green because I'm like, I need to wait for this card to get banned. <laughs> so uh, I don't have to spend 80 bucks to have a competitive green deck. So you either don't play it and you look foolish, you know, or you play or you spend 80 bucks on a play set of them and then you just wasted 80 bucks. Um, so I was just like holding out for the ban and here it comes. And I don't want to yeah. call for bans. I'm not, I don't, I don't know. I can't say that because I've called for bans many times over the years, but like, <laughs> uh, I hate to be the one to just be, <clears throat> yelling into that void, you know, like, oh, they need to ban this and that. Um, but they did, so I'm very happy. Uh, yeah, so so let's talk about that. This past yeah. Monday, the, the big announcement, everyone was waiting for Oko Thief of Crowns, banned in standard, Once Upon a Time, banned in standard, Veil of Summer, banned in standard. So standard got hit with a, a nice chunk of, of bans. Um, Legacy, Renan 6 was banned. And Vintage, Narset, was restricted. Narset, party of Veils. Um, we're not going to touch on Legacy or Vintage, um, but Standard, that's, uh, I mean, they've, they've definitely shaken up the format now. We had a 70% of the metagame, or 69% of the metagame of Mythic Championship uh, Richmond was Oko decks. So <laughs> I think without Oko, we're really going to see a ton of, uh, ton of evolution of this format. Um, Absolutely. He's only had... You know, it's been two days, it's Wednesday, and so the format is kind of the Wild West right now, just joining, uh, joining Pioneer <laughs> as another format that deserves to uh, just, that everybody's just jumping into and trying to solve. Um, right now, I think Twitch Rivals uh, is actually happening. Uh, it's, it's day two. We have a list of the day two, uh, the, the top 32 that of players that made day two of Twitch Rivals. Mm-hmm. Um whole list of deck lists and uh yeah it looks like looks like just guy fires is is pretty good i mean that's that deck i think is the the most uh prevalent here it's in first place right now uh zvi malshowitz playing just guy fires and then you've got like golgari adventures a ton of people playing that the uh the Jund Sacrifice deck, Mono Black Sacrifice deck like there's a couple versions of the i guess those are like the oven decks yep. um 
which is obviously I haven't looked at Jund Sacrifice, but I'm interested because I uh, have been thinking about that a lot lately. Or yeah. I've been kind of kicking it around in my head, but I haven't really seen what it would look like. Uh, yeah, it looks like one copy of Azorius Control and one copy of Esper Control. So um, obviously, banning Veil of Summer made all the Esper decks so much better. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's a little early to say that, but I'm, I'm kind of... You know that was that was the argument that I was getting on Twitter. Like Veil of Summer was suddenly was the was going to make it so easy on Esper decks to suddenly dominate. Um, if you know Veil of Summer's not around, and it's kind of like mm, that's not really what happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like this format is already you know heading in in a much healthier direction. I don't think there's anything anyone's worried about right now. Um, kind of dominating or making standard miserable again. And we're going to have a new set come out in two months. So, uh, it, it's, if it, as long as it takes a reasonable amount of time for this format to be uh, quote unquote solved, um, we have another set to, to shake things up. So I, I don't anticipate any more bands in standard no, in the next couple of months. I don't either. I um, think we're good, but, but it was interesting the we had uh, just before we started recording saffron olive was tweeting i guess about an hour before we started recording um about his next article and of course it's it's not out yet but the title of the article is is uh what is it it's time to stop caring about bands and standard or, or something like that something uh, yeah. time, to, time to get over bands and standard and and kind of the premise that he's putting forth is like maybe we should stop worrying about cards being banned and just accept the idea that maybe there should be more bans, like rather than so than making it a big deal about cars being banned, like let's just get used to it and have have wizards actually just be very liberal with bans. And uh, I, I think that's an interesting concept because it's something that I think you specifically have called for a lot. Yes. Um, and I guess do you want to want to go into that at all yeah. yourself? Like kind of. Yeah. So like, um, I just I just feel like. Bands are interesting and bands keep formats interesting. And I've been saying this since like modern. I was like, why don't we just ban Lightning Bolt for a month? You know, like see how the format adapts to that. You know, like kind of like a just a test kitchen, you know, like just going for it. You know, like ban, ban whatever, like ban like three cards across like three different decks and see how those decks adapt. Uh, see what the format does. Um, and you could even do it with like an expiration. Like you could even say like this card is banned for a month, you know, right. like that, see, that's something that I'm interested in. I was, I was going to say that if you hadn't, but just the idea of saying, Hey, we're going to ban Oko and he's unbanned as soon, upon release of the next set. So you go, oh, well, the format's all shaken up again. We've got an influx of a whole bunch of cards, and now Oko's legal again. I'm not saying that's a good thing, because maybe Oko just continues to dominate. I'm naming the most, yeah. But the idea of, okay, yes, you all think Standard is miserable right now. We'll go ahead and give you a reprieve from this card that you think is so oppressive. But once the new set comes out... It's all legal again. Like, why don't you do, like, you could go crazy with bands. All right, we're going to ban Oko and Gilded Goose and Once Upon a Time and, and Nissa, and you go ahead and have at it. But as soon as the new set releases, band, re- band list is reset. Everything's available again. Right. And then, then go from there and go, guess what? Oko's still too strong. Band again until the next set. Like, they just reset the, the band list every time a new set comes out for standard. Um, I think that would be cool because it's kind of like, 
All right, you get these cards back. You don't feel so bad that you you bought 12 copies of Oko because Arena <laughs> Moto <laughs> paper. Right, like, right. Uh, and, and now can only play it in older formats. You know, like, uh, you don't feel so bad because you go, okay, well, fine. I can't play Oko for the next two months, but as soon as Theros, uh, Secret of the Use comes back, we get <laughs> our, our, Oko's back and we can try to, to play with it again. And I don't know. It would just be a different format and or a different kind of, um, a way to make people just not feel so bad about having so many copies. I think that's a huge thing. But also to say, like, we, we hear you. We're going to make a change and, but it's not a permanent change necessarily. So I, I don't know. I think that going in that direction seems great. Um, and it doesn't have to be, like when the new set comes out, it can just be an expiration date. Like you said, we're going to ban this card for three months or whatever it is. Um, and then unban when, or, or we'll readdress in three months kind of thing. So, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of not a crazy, a crazy idea. Like you said, you've kind of been pushing for that kind of thing for a while. And I do feel like we could, if we could do, if we could accept the idea that there will be more bans, uh, but also offset the the feel bads of it. I think that's where that, that that would be a great standard format. Yeah, I mean that would be a great way to handle standard. I think that like you know when things shift more to arena and and, and like some of this is what they were talking about in that uh, tweet that Saffron mm-hmm. Olive made. Um, you know when as things shift more to arena and people aren't actually paying money for single <laughs> cards. Um, it's so much easier to do something like this because you just kind of go, oh, that card's banned. Here's some wild cards to replace it. And everybody's just like, oh, cool, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I got to change my deck a little bit, but hey, look, I got wild cards. That's costs the same as Oko. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, right. here's a $5 bill for an Oko that you paid for $65 in paper. You know, like, you yeah. know, it's like, here's a rare wild card for a rare because that's what a rare wild card's worth on Arena. Um, right. There is something to be said just to that idea because I've kind of thought about it because it now affected me. Um, that's great that they give us that. But if you went and spent a bunch of money on gems to build the Oko deck, like a Simic deck, and now Oko's gone and that deck is dead, now you're like, well, I have all these. You, you gave me four wild cards, but I need, you know, 25 more wild cards to build the Jeskai Fires deck because the Simic deck's unplayable. You know, it's like, thanks for four, but now I need more to build a completely different deck because, the, you know, that kind of thing. Them's the, the breaks, idea that kiddo. You, you're, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know. It's just the way it is, but you're you're saying you're not just affecting one card. Um, you're affecting an entire deck. Sure. Uh, possibly, and so that... But then you start getting into there too, but yeah. people complaining about the amount of a coupon. Like, it's like, okay, well... <laughs> you <laughs> like, know, like, there's only... A, there's a if, limit. There's an upper limit to how much complaining I will tolerate. Um, <laughs> like, it's, my girlfriend loves those kind of things where people are like, last year you gave me a $10 off coupon. This year it's only a 15% off coupon. I use that $10 off coupon every year to buy something. Now I can't. Okay. So you got a free thing and you're mad about it. Okay. I know it's a little <laughs> different, but anyway, I don't want to get into it too much more. Yeah. I don't want to go dig, dig uh, I know, want to say into that, but yeah. real quick, um, a card yep. I have my eye on. Mm-hmm. It's probably terrible, but uh, embodiment of agonies from M twenty. 
Okay, what does that do? I don't uh, it's a two black and one. It's a zero zero demon. It's a rare. It's flying death touch. Mm-hmm. Enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each different mana cost among non land cards in your graveyard. So like two and a black and a black and or yeah two and a black. And two black and one are different mana costs. And you would imagine also hybrid mana costs are different. You know, all of that. Um, The mono black deck from the the Twitch Rivals Mm -hmm. thing has like double black, black and one, single black, um, triple black. You know what I mean? Like it has like so many Mm -hmm. different mana costs. The, The triple black and two, you know, like it's just got like so many different mana costs that mm-hmm. I'm like maybe this card is actually like kind of good but I'm also so did you say does it have any evasion or any other it's is flying it just... death touch okay sorry I, I you said it and I missed it it's all right. good but so, so three mana for a flying death touch Tarmogoyf basically that's that's what I'm hearing right now um I I think that's a good and point. Non, like, I don't it's know. non-land cards in your graveyard, not like and it's your graveyard, your graveyard, not all graveyards. So like, so like you know, artifacts, spells, everything, um, yeah. all count. And I don't know. I just think it's an interesting card. I've I'm sitting, I'm sitting with it on my like save for later, uh, my cart, and I'm like, I should just buy them. And it's like, like I said, it's like fifty cents each. It's an interesting yeah. card, and I feel like you know, especially with like Theros coming out. You know, mono decks, monocolor decks being strong, and like all, again, hybrid mana costs existing could be interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm thinking about yeah. it. I'll, I'll let you know. I like it. I hadn't even. I probably read it once and then forgot about it. So, right. um, that that's cool. Uh, I like it. So yeah, you should probably buy them because if they're that cheap, you may as well just you know you're you're spending two dollars on it. You know, it's yeah. really not. How much, if that card sees play, are you going to lose if you decide to buy them? I don't know. Buy them even even if the card goes up to a buck. Now you're like, well, great, I lost three bucks. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Or whatever, two bucks. Um, if you have to spend five dollars on a playset or something, you know, like that. Um, anyway, I, I think if they're that cheap and you think the card is good, go for it. Um, so I think. Uh, about now might be a good time to invite our guest on the show. Yeah, what do you think, Yeah, I Joe? think so, too. I, I just wanted to say real quick that um, I think yep. it's good that Wizards did something with Narset and did something with Renin 6, even though I know nothing about either one of those formats. I did see people saying, mm-hmm. look at this banned-restricted announcement. If they don't do anything about Narset, or if they don't do anything about Renin 6, then they don't care about those formats anymore. You know what I mean? So I think that those are yeah. nice little bones that they've thrown to those formats. Like, hey, look, we're still fo- we still are aware, and we're still working on these formats, too. We haven't completely... Uh, ditched them. Um, the other thing I want yeah. to point that was really cool is that the arena and online and uh, or the Magic Arena and the Moto uh, bands took effect like immediately. Yeah, I love which that. Which is really cool. Um, I like that. No lame duck and, kind and of situation. Modern, they did nothing and all I want to say about that is look at it. It looks pretty cool. Like the format... Like looks pretty diverse. Doesn't look like any one deck is really dominating. So good call on that, you know. Like, although honestly, I can't look at a modern top eight and get excited about it right now because all I can think about is is like Pioneer and Standard. And I'm barely even looking at Pioneer right now just because I've been so busy. 
and I had the opportunity this morning to play new standard, like with all these new bands and all I wanted to do was draft. So I've just been playing, I'm six and O with yet another mill deck right now. <laughs> Wonderful. So, I love it. I just can't stop. <laughs> I just can't stop drafting mill. I'm so sorry, y'all. I know I'm, I am part of the problem and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, it's in the format. It's like the, all best, right? so format. Like, it's like the best draft format ever. Uh, because mill is viable. Mill is <laughs> good. Mill is like top tier. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Happy. I'm gonna play it until it won't let me anymore. Uh, I think that's so fair. Anyway. You gotta take, you gotta jump on that train while it's going that's by. Right, you know, because it goes by <laughs> and it does not come back around. <laughs> All right, let's do this. All right. So due to some technical difficulties, uh, we had to ditch Joe. Um, but in his place, I've got uh, someone who you may know as Vorthos Mike. That's what I know him as. In fact, Mike, I don't even know your last name. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, um, that would be great. Sure. Uh, it, it is indeed Vorthos Mike, uh, a nickname given to me by someone else. Uh, my name is Mike Linneman. Last name rhymes with cinnamon. And I'm very easy to find online when people search for me. And uh, I'm known as kind of the art person in the magic art world, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Like, that's how I know you. Um, you know, Vorthos obviously conjures up the the whole lore of the game. And, um, you know, most of the things that I see you um, sharing are some some pretty interesting uh, takes on, on different magic art and just kind of uh, your interest in the game and in the art of the game is something that I think kind of sets you apart from a lot of a lot of magic uh, community personalities who tend to focus on more uh, more of the you know the technical aspects of the game you know how how the cards are designed and the competitive things and you know maybe different formats as far as like the game itself but the art is is kind of your your niche there and um and you've kind of you've got something pretty special happening right now right i do i do i mean well the game is just uno without card art right i mean that's all the game really can be so uh, it really becomes the marketing arm it's what gets us hooked it's our first love of the piece and the nostalgia that comes from that so we worked very hard to get art more front and center um not only with visibility but also getting art out that's usually why people follow me on Twitters because usually I ping an artist to get art out, out the door or they don't have a Twitter account, so I make sure it gets out there and it's tracked back to them. But a newer initiative that's oh, only a couple years old now is doing magic art shows. And if people remember 2017, all those years ago at Grand Prix Las Vegas, still called the Grand Prix back then, um, right. we did the first ever large-scale magic art show. And now I do usually about one to two a year. And here today to really talk about the newest one. It's called Story and Craft, a Magic the Gathering exhibition. And it's in Milwaukee at the Institute of Art and Design from now uh, until January 11th. So uh, so this just launched um, earlier this month, what, November 11th? Is that right? November 11th, yep. So it's up for two months. It's free. You, you just stop in and check it out, which is always great. And uh, it's open during their normal hours. So if someone has a, a 5K or something to go to in the Milwaukee area, you could absolutely get up maybe a little earlier than normal, get some uh, breakfast in place and stop by the art show and then head to your tournament. And it's, uh, it's new because it's educational in nature. It's not just art on the wall, cool. Here it's really showing process to show okay. sketches, finals, um, showing the alumni of the school like Jeff Miracola or Elena Danner, 
in the in the show itself, down to even one of their own instructors, John Matson, who you know famously made a bunch of magic cards um, uh, in the in the past, and he's teaching his classes with prompts and art descriptions. And these students are recreating these artworks as part of their classes. So it's a little different show than normal. But people coming by, they'll still see art, they'll see video, they'll see sketches, concept art. Um, there's even playtest cards and explaining how decks are built, which is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've seen a couple of the, the images you've been sharing uh, on social media, and um, it seems like the reception's been pretty pretty good so far. Like, um, I'm not quite sure, you know, numbers wise, but how's how's it looking? You know, at this point, uh, just a week in. It's it's hard to tell. Of course, uh, the opening was very very popular. All the talks that we've done, mm-hmm. which is new. Um, doing talks with with artists or, or professors or, you know, I, I even gave a talk uh, not long ago. Those have been really well attended um, simply because some communities are just starved for content, right? We, we've talked about this idea of a TEDx MTG, TEDx Magic or Ignite Denver, whatever, have magic as a topic or even having panels at uh, GPs. And those are great. Don't get me wrong. But some cities don't get them very often. Mm-hmm. And this is where an art show could be up for two months, and you could have talks throughout down to cosplay drawing sessions at night. Instead of like a nude model, you'll have a cosplayer come in in costume, and you get to draw them and paint them. Wow, kind of like how magic cool. artists do, but like community members could do it. Right. And that's so radically different because it's not on the schedule of a four-day magic tournament. It's This is actually for the community, and it's a different audience than just – players though we did a game day this past you know weekend and had commander and drafts and all sorts of fun stuff oh wow just right at the uh, at the museum yeah yeah right right in the it, in so the institute is a full it's an art college and sure, it's sure, pretty sure. big so but they had a big uh, lunchroom area and the perfect table so we we played commander there we had drafts set up and they have a gaming club at the school okay they hosted it and they invited basically all their friends to come and we had maybe 100 people there that you know, it's not a ridiculous amount of people, but, you know, for a random Milwaukee cold day, it sure definitely is. I mean, it sounds like a ton of fun just being able to, to, to play in more of a casual setting and then, you know, check out all this artwork. Um, so so how many different or what different artists are involved? Is it is it focusing on like a select few or is it kind of a really broad look at, at a bunch of different artists? Sure. Great question on that. We tried to focus on people from the Midwest okay. and uh, Midwest artists. You know, we we didn't include Ohio because I still argue whether Ohio should be part of the Midwest. <laughs> for all those Ohioans out there. Uh, me being a Minnesota person, and we don't have any magic artists that live in our state anymore. The person, the main notable one we had was Winona Nelson, and she got flown back in to talk about growing up in the Midwest and how do you get opportunities and how do you get good when you don't have maybe a a San Diego Comic-Con in your backyard or or you have to travel to Gen Con to do things. So she came back and then brought a local uh, Indian school because she's an Ojibwe American Indian. Mm -hmm. And she said, you can do this too, just look at me. So having that like visibility of uh, diverse perspectives is brought back in. And then, you know, John Matson's in the area. We had Jeff uh, uh, Laubenstein, uh, who did a show and tell. He came up. He even brought a sketchbook that has all like all sorts of old timey sketches in it. And we made some copies and threw it on the wall. Um, Aaron Miller out of Chicago is there. Um, we have uh, Aaron Boyd, who's out of the Milwaukee area, is there. Um, so we tried to really focus on that and then supplement a little bit here and there. Um, okay. Just concept art because not all the concept people are from the area but we could pick i have a bunch of wayne reynolds concept art we got a bunch from uh, steve prescott who is an ohioan um and we put those in a room so students could walk in and see okay this is the concept art 
here's the sketch, here's the final, and then here's a time-lapse video from like a Ryan Pancoast to really – they can sit there for an hour and literally see how it's done and then bring that back to their, their normal studio and then work on a piece, which is so radically different than any other museum walkthrough thing. Here it really is for the students how they can learn some insider bases down to you know even play testing if they want to make their own game how do they do it well we brought original assignment sheets from the dark got those from keith the, the misprint guy and then we had the painting from earth dwellers and then we had the cons the the play test card so you could see how they made the game early early and then you could see how they made the art now so it really is almost a look behind oz's curtain which is a little different wrinkle than we normally do yeah, that's really like this whole thing is really fascinating to me. Um, uh, I have an art background somewhat myself, and that's you mm. know, it's what drew me to the game. I really I didn't even have that much interest in playing the game at first. I just wanted the cards for the art. But then, you know, it's a game. I guess I'll play. And, you know, right, kind right, of, and then here you are now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, here, 25 years later, almost. So uh, kind of kind of crazy. But um, but I always appreciated seeing sort of the the behind the scenes because you know you can look at a piece of art and speculate as to you know how how did they get this look how did they you know look at what the you know any kind of um behind the scenes info is so or just behind the scenes examples like you said the process examples the sketches the concepts um have always been really fascinating to me i know even back when there used to be like the Ask Wizards column. Um, oh, sure. And uh, I remember sending in a question like, when can we get a book that's just like concept art and, right, right. and like, you know, beginning to end? And I think that was that was around, uh, I guess that was about 13 years ago or so. And they, they the answer was something like, we have something like that in the works. And what it ended up being was the the Planeswalker's Guide to Alara, which, oh, yes. which oh, was yes. cool, but it was not like it didn't have it that behind the scenes stuff in the way that I had hoped. Um, but this kind of this kind of exhibit or this kind of exhibition um, show is uh, sounds fascinating being able to, to actually look at, at things from beginning to end. Um, and, and you mentioned the time lapse. Um, I may be uh, misremembering, but was was Ryan Pancoast? Did he do the, the Mox Tantalite? Artwork. He did indeed. And he that, did indeed, and it is quite good. I've, and that's one of the videos we have in the exhibition. So I people can sit down that. with two headphones. Uh, you know, he has a Gumroad uh, that you can purchase. But here, you know, he said he lent it to the exhibition, and you can just sit there for an hour during your lunch break and just watch the whole thing. And they're pretty. They're pretty interesting. Yeah, I was fascinated watching that when he released it uh, or, or wizards released it um a couple months ago i guess back you know before before the set was released but it was just such a fascinating thing to see something go from blank canvas to a beautiful piece of artwork and um i think that kind of process uh, let look into the process is is just incredible um so so how did you actually get involved or in in all of this really i mean obviously you had some interest in the artwork but what did you what did you do? How did you get involved in, in making this kind of thing happen? Sure. Well, well, this individual example, I literally got called. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you, do, you do enough of them that word gets out. Sure. And, you know, you don't muck up any. You don't lose any artwork. Nothing gets stolen or damaged. And eventually people are going to find out about it and say, hey, we, we want this. Right. Who do we talk to? So in this case, one of the instructors, um, Brad Bernard, wonderful guy. Um, asked Jeff Miracola because Jeff's an alum and Jeff's like oh you should talk to Bortho's Mike and they're like wait what who 
<laughs> so that really got the the ball rolling. And from there, you know, I got a hold of Wizards to make sure, you know, could we um, use some of the discounted uh, FedEx uh, abilities? Because that's that's the biggest thing is always how do you get art there? Right. How do you keep it safe? How is the insurance? Um, and once you get there, I can write labels. I got a team for that. You know, me, Donnie Keltrader, and uh, Brian Scott Walters can pound that out easy. The hard part is getting the theme in place, the location in place, um, collectors being on board and artists being on board to say, oh, sure, you can lend this for this reason. That You don't just do that. You can't just call people and say, let's do it. It's immediately a trust thing. It's a credibility thing. And I'm very blessed in that, that in, you know, two years ago, we asked the community to say, hey, help us kick this off. It's going to be ugly and dirty to start, but it's going to get good. And a lot of people raise their hand and say, yeah, this needs to be supported. This should exist. And from there, you know, the ball is rolling. It's just a matter of time before we're in more museums, um, more sites internationally than just Tokyo, which happened last year. Um, There's two or three countries right now that we're in talks about uh, going to. Can't mention which ones yet, Joey. Sorry to say. Um, (laughs) You knew I was going to ask. But they're not the U.S. and they're not Japan. I'll say that. Um, So it's a thing people desperately want. And they want to see more of it's just comically expensive how much it actually is to get art there safe and then located safe and then at the quality that that magic players expect without it being officially wizard sponsored because even when you have officials you have you, you it has to be marketing right it's hard to get a look behind the scenes it's hard to get that process in place and and have labels that interpret mm-hmm. because that's not the point it's a marketing thing so it's almost good to have someone outside the walls doing it and having approvals so we're in a pretty weird space for that but it's a uh, it, i expect there's to be more in the future um when cities or organizers have uh, places that are possible always willing to hear more of them i have a pretty long speculative list um but it usually starts from a recommendation this person to this person says hey you should bring this to this thing can you make this happen and we go from there that's fantastic um so so you said you have a couple of things couple of couple in the works right Um, oh yeah is there is there anything you can share about like what which one is coming up next i don't know you know how how far along in the process those ones are so. Usually museum exhibitions are planned two to three years out. Okay. That's generally the general rule of how those shake out. So it's not like things get planned last minute for this because you can because right. of you know, uh, uh, insurance reasons. So the, the big the one that's coming up, the one thing I can say is there will be a show that's going to be relating on being reflective of the country it's in. Okay. So it won't just be white people on artworks on, you know, mm-hmm. Western European looking things. It'll be more diverse faces of paintings and landscapes artworks that also reflect the locale. So it'll be very different, almost a we see you, the game sees you, you're being recognized for that, and you invited us here. So, of course, we're going to show the mirror back to you for inviting us to come. So that'll be a really, really cool one. Um, there's definitely that. works like Teferi um, and, and other major pieces that we can get a hold of, as well as concept art from inside Wizards or from concept artists themselves that are willing to lend it. Mm-hmm. And those will be in the show that, you know, unless you get access to a style guide, you will never see in person. Like this thing we have at Myad, uh, as they call it, Myad. Um, if you don't get a style guide, you don't know what concept art looks like. Right. In case they share it on the website, which is 
rare. Sometimes they do, but they never show much of it. It's very minimal. So these shows allow us to really dig deep in there, and that one will be pretty fun to see. Yeah, that that sounds really interesting. Is that something slated for like maybe a year from now, or is it sooner it's than probably, that? It's probably slated for um, uh, – it, it's probably slated for winter, next okay. winter sometime. Um, yeah. Okay. Just, yeah, probably looking at early winter to late uh, to midwinter okay. next year is when that window would shake out. And then there is a museum talk, um, but it's pretty early speculative one um, in the U.S. Uh, but they want to get a touring show of it, so it, it's a longer discussion. But people right. can know all that. Okay. Wow. Uh, so if people want to find out more, not just about the the current show that you have going on, but maybe to keep abreast of any future shows uh where can they they can find you or is there a, a website that they should follow as well sure the best place to find me is at, at Fortos mike on twitter and off off twitter you can just search magic art show and i always will pop up there the other places we have a magic art show facebook uh group facebook page and we're slowly updating that more generally for calls for art where we ask collectors to donate art to, mm-hmm. to a show and then they you know, lend it to a show. We do it there simply because nearly every country in the world has Facebook, despite right. its laws. It still works really well for that. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I guess uh, I think that wraps about, about wraps us up as far as the, the questions I had. Um, did you have anything else that you, you wanted to mention at all? Sure, I totally do. Um, the, the big thing is that starting to get large and there's only a few people that are on my team that work on this so we're testing i.e if if people go to milwaukee more often well okay we'll consider you know midwest cities other places now if smaller looks uh metropolitan areas kind of bomb not a lot of people go well we're probably not we'll probably never go back to those sort of cities so if you're in a kansas city or a cincinnati or uh, even a tallahassee and you want a magic art show you got to find ways to tell your friends to go to these things because that really does matter because when tokyo calls i mean you know you can just see sheer numbers more people will go there than to a smaller show um and we only have so much bandwidth that we probably will go to places with more humans and less more humans show up. So it very much is chicken or egg there, and we hope people will go and so that we can now do more here. Absolutely. Definitely makes sense. So, so if you're in the area of, uh, of any of these kinds of, kinds of shows, I urge you to get out because I can't wait to go to one myself. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to this one, but I, I'm going to keep my eye out for anything that comes anywhere near the East Coast. Uh, and if, if I can make it, that would be that just sounds so awesome. I love, I love this kind of thing, and it's great this, that magic, um, you know, after being around for almost thirty years now, uh, that a game that hinges so much on the artwork is really getting attention on that aspect of the game uh, in this kind of way. And I, I'm really, um, I'm grateful to people like you who are are kind of spearheading this sort of thing. And uh, so, thank you for putting putting these kinds of things together well you're very welcome i mean the fact is i'm on this cast right now if you don't interview me then no one cares no one cares we don't do it but we right. do it because it's important and i and i do think people want this uh, and and have for a very long time so as long as people still keep coming we'll keep doing them, joey awesome all right well thanks a lot mike um and if you uh 
if you want to follow Mike again, fourth those Mike on Twitter, or just Google Magic, Magic Art Show and Mike, and then you'll find it. <laughs> uh, you'll find all the info you need. Um, thank you for, for coming on and for dealing with our kind of crazy scheduling uh, and technical issues we've had, <laughs> but, um, but we figured it out. Always welcome to come back on next time you have a show as well. Hopefully, we, hopefully there is a next time and a next time after that, Joey. And hey, thanks again for having me on. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one.